And one of the things I really wanted with Gateway Women was I really wanted to create something that was, was sustainable so that it would outlast me. Mm. I really, one of my, you know, one of my dreams and, you know, coming up to a 10 year anniversary, it's like, wow, it's that, that, that is happening is I really wanted to create something for the next generation of childless women, for those young women that could have been any of our daughters who find themselves childless, not by choice. I don't want there to be nothing for them. And that's one of the reasons why I keep going. Welcome to the Full Stop Podcast with Berenice Smith from Walking Our Shoes, Sarah Lawrence from After the Storm, and me, Michael Hughes from Married and Childless. If this is your first time here, our podcast is centred around supporting the Childless Not Boy Choice community. And our aim is to be a focal point for that community and with all our special guests, show you how to manage your grief and the issues specific to us. And by example, show that the full and happy life can be had without those children we dearly wanted. Now this episode, we are so excited to welcome back Jodie Day and help celebrate the 10th anniversary of the beginning of the juggernaut that is Gateway Women. So please, sit back and join us on this ride, and we hope you are as enamoured with Jodie and her wisdom as we are. So your first blog post 10 years ago, Jodie. Yes. How does that feel? It feels pretty unreal. Um, It feels like a lifetime ago. And it feels like yesterday. And I can really remember, I have like a physical memory of pressing publish, you know, of pressing, of clicking that key to press publish and thinking, well, well, you know, maybe one person will read it and maybe someone will get it. And then, you know, over the next few days, you know, the next day, getting my first piece of PR, next day, And people, you know, other bloggers and people starting to write, starting to contact me, women saying, you know, how do you know the exact words in my head? Um, And just that sense of shock, actually, uh, uh, not being alone when I felt so alone. It was amazing. And to think over the 10 years, you know, what Gateway Women is now, um, I didn't have a plan for this. I didn't plan to be childless. I didn't plan to create Gateway Women, you know, life, I kept doing one thing after another and things turned into what they turned into, which is, um, yeah, I can't quite, I can't quite believe it. And I have to get used to the fact that what Gateway Women means to other people and sort of what my work means to other people, because I, I find that quite hard to take in because I'm just doing what I do. Um, uh, And I don't always realise the impact it has because mm. you you started you you did the course with um oh, John Williams and the Ideas Lab yeah yeah it's fantastic yeah, I, did the 30, yeah. I did the 30 day challenge with him mm. as part of screw work let's play and set the my intention was to build the sort of the blog post my first blog and get a public talk booked that was my 30 day challenge and I didn't, and deliver a public talk, I think it was. And I, I managed to get the talk booked and the website launched, you know, built and launched. And it was really helpful having that accountability. I was also doing um, a mentorship program with uh, John Williams, a different John, which was, much, which was like an inspired entrepreneur for people who were creating sort of heart-centered businesses. And that was, so that was going on in the background as well. And they both, 
they both really helped me because I was at such a low point in my life at that point. I had, you know, my, um, you know, my marriage had broken down. The relationships after my marriage hadn't worked out. I was dealing with the fallout of narcissistic abuse from, um, from a partner, um, you know, who had also sort of torpedoed my career. So financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically, in every sort of way, I was at rock bottom. Um, and it is not the place where you think, hey, I'm gonna start a global organization. You know, getting out of bed was, was a win for the day. And I had no confidence at all. You know, childlessness really, really took my confidence from me because it felt like every decision I'd made in life had ended me up in the, in the worst place I could possibly imagine. And also that none of the things that had got me through difficult situations before seemed to work. You know, I'd been through quite a lot of challenges in my life and I sort of was, had kind of come through them. And yet nothing seemed to help me through the devastation I was experiencing around my childlessness. I, you know, I just seemed to be digging a hole and getting deeper and deeper in it. Yeah, yeah I can empathize with that. I think there's, I don't know, this audience, I'm sure we're part of, hopefully we can get some responses on social media to this, but I remember when I first discovered Gateway Women, that was way back at the start and it was via B.B. Lynch. And you remember those moments, they're just something you think, oh, there actually is other people, other women out there like me or who share those feelings as well. Because up until that point, the only experience I had of people who were childless was standing in this ridiculous big ballroom at Bourne Hall with the expectation that I would walk out of the doors at some point with a chart, you know, with a positive pregnancy test. Um, and so I hadn't had any, I didn't know anybody. I knew absolutely nobody Me too. at all. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hideous. It's absolutely the worst thing. I think the loneliness just makes that recovery from grief so, so very difficult. So to have the courage when you're at rock bottom to say, right, OK, I'm going to do something about that and to create and do what you did. All of those things to build what you have. I mean, did you ever anticipate Gateway Women being as big as it is? Absolutely not. I, I had a I had a few inklings along the way, which helped me to keep going because it was, I think at about, about three years in, um, I was working pretty well much full-time on Gateway Women and it wasn't, you know, making any money at all. Um, it was barely even sort of covering, you know, washing its own face as we say in entrepreneurial circles, but I, could, I didn't really have time to do other work because it was mm. so demanding. And I was absolutely exhausted and I realized probably, you know, a little bit burnt out. And I was just in tears because I, I knew how important my, this work was to so many women. I thought it's got to be possible. It's got to be a way to, to, to keep going somehow. Um, and so that was the point when I actually introduced a membership fee for the online community, mm -hmm. uh, which was by a few people very badly received. Um, I even got a couple of death threats wow. um, and I got some really, really horrible abuse from people who, you know, accused me of profiting from other people's sadness and misery and really, really unpleasant stuff, even though I still offered free membership for anyone who needed it. And it was only five pounds a month. It was not, you know, um, 
but it was either that or give it up mm. and at that point I was actually offered a really really high paying job um, in the marketing world in a in, a, in an organization that actually really was also aligned with my values <laughs> and it was it was one of those kind of crunch moments and I I luckily the online community thing took off enough for me to turn down that job offer and carry on but it was um yeah it's never been a money earner but it was never set out to be <laughs> I think but, that's a very hard thing to I remember that moment I do remember the, the membership fee coming in and I know that three of us can quite categorically say that even just with the podcast and what we do there is so much more that happens behind the scenes that people can ever imagine mm. in terms of you know the cost of things you know websites the, the community your time and at the end of the day we all are a value and I think that if you are not giving your best value because you're getting you're not able to, to, to exist financially not able to exist and that actually creates a hugely difficult mindset I think as well and all that kind of worth stuff comes into it I mean I, I'm, I'm just I'm riffing here so I mean I, I refer to to both you and Sarah for the for the wisdom on this but it, it is that kind of a vicious circle and it's a hugely big decision to make but I think it was one that you know you, you, you had to make there was no choice with all of that and I think it's one that we've often people have had to make yeah. in difficult situations when we are when support is provided um or we're looking at a plan b I mean look at all of us who have plan b's yeah. but plan b's that have come from gateway women so many of us are testimony to say okay I changed my life and did a blah 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 because actually gateway women and so it deserves credit for the support that it gives we wouldn't be here I would not be here on the podcast if it wasn't for gateway women I wouldn't be a counsellor if it wasn't for Gateway Women mm. because I came along for that weekend, um, 2015, I think it was. Night weekend, yes. Yeah, I was, cool. I was, <laughs> talk about rock bottom, I was. I remember, I remember you at that weekend. I can, I can see where you were sitting with your back to the window. Yeah. yeah I, I remember you, your presence at that weekend. Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? It's like, it seems so long ago, but if Gate, I remember Googling for help. And all I could find was gateway women. That was it. That was all there was. And then I came to that weekend and broken. And then afterwards, it's like, bloody hell, you know, there is more. There is more to this. There are people out there. So can you imagine if you'd gone for that marketing job? That's like sliding doors moments, isn't it? Yeah. And I think a lot of wonderful offerings for the childless community, what, what I saw over time was a lot of great things started. And after a couple of years, sort of petered out and then disappeared because the demand for them was so high and the emotional labor and the financial cost and the, and the hidden costs of providing that started to become too much for the person who had created it. Also, that person often had achieved a lot of their healing through doing this. And so they kind of moved on and the, the, the structure and the support and the community that they built sort of was lost and one of the things I really wanted with Gateway Women was I really wanted to create something that was was sustainable so that it would outlast me mm. I really one of my you know one of my dreams and you know coming up to a 10-year anniversary it's like wow it's that 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 is happening is I really wanted to create something for the next generation of childless women 
for those young women that could have been any of our daughters who find themselves childless, not by choice. I don't want there to be nothing for them. And that's one of the reasons why I keep going. That's incredible. I mean, it, it, you're right. It takes so much personal strength, doesn't it? To keep something like that going because it's, no, it's not just the time as Bernie sort of pointed out, it's everything else. And sometimes it is your healing as well. And that costs a lot, doesn't it? So for those of us that are following behind in your, in your footsteps, what's one of the best life lessons you've learned through Gateway Women so far in the last 10 years, do you think? Well, we've touched on a couple of them already. And I think the most important one is that this is grief. That, you know, you're not crazy, you know, you're grieving. Uh, the, the devastation of childlessness and the fact the way it was resistant to any of my kind of techniques for getting myself out of a hole was because it was grief. But I didn't know it was grief. No one knew it was, Dr. Google didn't know it was grief. The therapists and doctors I was seeing didn't know it was grief. You know, it wasn't until I was doing my psychotherapy training and I was doing a part of my training on bereavement that I, that I realized, hang on a minute, this is very familiar. And I went home and I mapped it against my own experience. And it's like, fuck, I'm grieving. And that was enormously important for me. And um, it, I still feel quite emotional talking about it because it was really important for two reasons. Number one, it meant I wasn't going mad because the internal reality of grieving cognitively is so confusing. I was becoming so unrecognizable to myself at times that I was really worried. I thought, well, maybe this is my new middle-aged personality, you know, I was, but I was, I, I often didn't feel like myself. And also the second reason was because I didn't understand how, but I knew that grief was a process. I knew it was something that people went through and came out the other end of somehow. I didn't know how, but I knew that one day this would be over. And at that point, I became a complete kind of grief junkie. You know, I read everything you could find on grief and started applying that to childlessness. And the very first talk that I gave was about grief. You know, so to a room of about eight people, five of whom I knew, in a now defunct London Women's Business Club. And one of the people there was a journalist who wrote that very first article in The Guardian that came out in 2012 and went, went viral. So, yeah. And yeah, just a few weeks ago, I, I gave a talk, which was an incredible talk to give in the 10th anniversary year to, I was invited as a guest lecturer at York University in the UK to give a lecture on the disenfranchised grief of childlessness as part of their four year project on grief as a human emotional experience. So that sense of validation that our grief is part of the story of what grief is feels also hugely important. And I know a lot of people who've watched that talk have felt really seen by it because we are sort of being seen by the institution. You know, we, we kind of, amongst ourselves, we know it's grief. And it's like, oh yeah, that woman Jodie on her blog, she says it's grief, but it's like, oh, universities are starting to recognize it. And that feels incredibly important. And I hope it really starts to filter down actually into training for therapists because the you know it's missing in the therapy room that understanding that unfortunately yeah no it is <laughs> i've sat on uh, 
I've sat on counselling courses and almost felt like I'm educating people and I've seen the damage it can do when people don't acknowledge that this is a real thing and that it's got its own I don't know it's got it takes on its own life doesn't it when it's something that appears in yours and it's kind of hard to contain and manage if your therapist is coming back at you going I've no idea what you're talking about also therapists are you know they may couch it in slightly more professional language but they often come back with the same bingos I mean some of the stuff that I've heard in therapy and I've heard gateway women tell me that they've heard in therapy that they've written in the online community it's like it's like you can get this stuff you can get this shit free you know <laughs> at the bus stop you don't need to be paying a therapist to hear this you know are you sure you really wanted children you know have you considered adoption you know, do you think perhaps you had some deep unconscious resistance on some level to having a child and that's why you didn't get pregnant? Mm. I got that one. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm just infertile. Yeah. <laughs> but it's unexplained infertility. So I never got a, I never got a reason for it. Um, so, but if you were educated in pronatalism, you would, you would be able to, even if you had that thought, as a therapist, you would hold it back and you'd go for the next thought. Because we've all been conditioned by this. So it's not about you know, it not existing. It's about going and take a breath. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. Isn't, as, a as a psychotherapist myself, you know, inside your head, you go, well, isn't it interesting that that's what I want to say? Now, next, next thing, <laughs> you know, you just, le you learn not to say things you think, yeah. I want to take it on a different different track, if I may. Mm. Um, I remember a meeting that um, I know you were at, Jody, but mm. um, I can't remember if Berenice was. It might have been last year for World Childless Week when we had all the champions together. One thing that sits with me and continues to sit with me is when our colleague, the thing that she said was, Jody, you saved my life. Mm. And took my breath away when I heard her say it. And how does that make you feel when you, when you hear that? You know, when you think about where you were 10 years ago at absolute rock bottom, and then you've got women saying, Jody, you saved my life. It's actually incredibly hard to hear because it makes my heart break. No, I, I, can, see, I can see the look in your face. Yeah. yeah. Because I think of how low that person has been. And I think of all of the others that haven't found any support. And it breaks my heart. But yeah. Well, yeah, it it must. But at the same time, we need to recognize how powerful your work is, I think. Um, I do. And actually in those moments, I those moments are not about me. And it's actually in those moments, it's really important for that person that they have the opportunity to thank me. So I actually do the work of receiving that thanks. So actually, although I may be feeling quite overwhelmed by it, I open my heart to receive their thanks because that's what they need from me in that moment. That's what the work needs. And it's kind of like emotional labor to do it because it's a lot to receive that's one of the aspects of gateway women i find most challenging 
is um, is actually receiving how how much I mean to people and how much the work means to people. But it's part of the work is to receive that, um, you know, to be that woman standing in front of them. Because I've existed in their head as someone incredibly important. And in that moment, I don't want to let them down. <laughs> That's an awful lot of pressure to carry, isn't it? I can see why it's important to you that this carries on that Gateway Women becomes a legacy for everybody else. It's, it's you know, there still is so little support for us. I mean, in the UK, it, we've, met, we've managed to make quite a big noise. I realised that, you know, because Gateway Women, you know, started in London, you know, there, and, you know, it started in a language which is used in so many countries around the world, but, you know, the UK, you know, UK is small, so we had quite a big impact. Gateway women had quite a big impact. And that has then been amplified around the world. I mean, if I had started my blog in America, where it's very hard to make a big impact because it's such a huge country, it would have just been a drop in the water that just, you know, that just didn't really make a, a big global impact in the way it has. So there have been a lot of extraordinarily good sort of strokes of fortune around how Gateway Women has started and the impact it's had. And I'm so incredibly grateful for that. You know, that I was that person at that time. I, you know, that I had the right combination, a bizarre combination of skills and experiences, you know, from sort of being quite geeky to having a background in sort of design and fashion to having been through quite a lot of trauma and healing and training to be a psychotherapist and naturally being a writer, you know, lots of things and an early adopter of social media. So much of what I did, when you look at my CV before Gateway Women, it looks like either I've lived a hundred years or I'm a sort of a, a liar because it's like, how could one person have done so many different things from political lobbying to sort of fashion PR? Like what, who does both of those to technology PR to, um, management consulting to all kinds of different things, but all of them, every single skill I amassed, I have used in the last 10 years. It's like I was in some bizarre universal training program to get me ready <laughs> to, to do this. It is really, you know, I don't know what to make of that. You know, I could make a big sort of spiritual noise about it, but that's not really my style, but it's like, it's kind of weird. Fantastic thing, though, because I think that it, it's so inspiring. I, and, and I think maybe that's, that's true of probably an awful lot of people in our community who have these diverse things that we do and we go off in little kind of tangents. If I think about Gateway Women and all of the little groups that are within Gateway Women that you encourage and support. So it's not just one area um, for those that don't know gateway women and the behind the scenes and the membership there are so many fantastic little sub communities doing brilliant things one of the ones i absolutely love is the reading group and there's also one for business women as well which is fantastic and so enlightening because a lot of those things are shared but actually your story and your experiences and all of the skills transferable skills that you have that created you created this point where you could deal with the, the enormity i think of gateway women it's incredible. It's a real inspiration. 
because as someone who also has a particularly kind of like oh what did I do that for um, on, my, <laughs> on my CV and at some point you come back to it and think oh actually that was probably quite useful I remember that now it's probably that's the, the longevity of our lives as well and you think you know, there's a fluidity about that and a meaning and a purpose um, that gets us to the places perhaps where we are right now. It's also called out of me skills that I never thought I had that I've, I've had to develop, you know, I've had to develop ridiculous amounts of IT skills, um, which gets a bit tiring sometimes as everyone behind the scenes running a, a small digital business will know. It's just like, okay, so now I have to learn this one. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. let's go down this rabbit hole today um, and never come out again. <laughs> so for example, public speaking. I am not a natural public speaker. I am not a performer. Um, you know, doing my TED talk was the most terrifying thing ever because that was the closest to performing because I had to learn my talk. You know, I, you don't get a script, you have to learn your talk. That was really, really hard. And that was the most stressful part of it was actually learning the script. Um, but, you know, if you ask me to stand up and give a talk about something, I would really, really struggle. But the reason I can do it for Gateway Women is because it's not really about me. It's like, I'm just the vehicle for this message. It's just my job to deliver this message. It's not really about me. And because I know how important it is, how important what I have to say is to the people who need to hear it, that gives me the courage to do the things that actually I'm really uncomfortable doing. But I had no natural desire as a public speaker or interest to be one or to do the kind of things I do, you know, the webinars and all of this. I'm not even an extrovert. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm an introvert with a, you know, with an extrovert enabled rocket. Um, for the, uh, for the, uh, for the MBTI geeks out there, I'm an INFJ. So we are able to be very kind of social and extrovert looking in service of a cause that is deeply important to us. And then we go back into our cave. And we hate everyone and we want to be left alone <laughs> to recharge. I have a friend of mine. confuse people when they meet me in person mm. because mm. I find that quite overwhelming, like public events, particularly coming off stage after a talk when people really want to interact with me. And I'm quite overwhelmed by, I'm quite overwhelmed by the attention that, and, and the love, let's call it what it is, the love sometimes that comes towards me in public events is, it's, um, it, it, I can see it almost like a wave of energy coming down the room. And it's, it's huge. When we were at Fertility Fest a few years ago, the one in the Barbican, and one after another, the performers on stage got up during the There's More to Life Than Children Day. And there were about 10 presentations that day. And apart from Benjamin Zephaniah, everyone who stood up mentioned Gateway Women, All My Work, or something to do with gateway women as part of their journey to being on, on, you know, to doing what they were doing on the stage that day. And I remember sitting in the audience just thinking, I didn't even know some of these people. And just feeling the enormity of the impact of the work that it had, you know, this was just the tip of the iceberg I was seeing. And it, it's, um, I'm incredibly proud of what, gate, of, of what gateway women is what it represents, what it's done. And sometimes I also can't quite believe I've had anything to do with it. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a little, little bit schizophrenic there, but there you are, welcome, welcome to the inside of my head. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you've taken so I mean in terms of where Gateway Women is now yeah what happens next do you know Ooh, yes I'm really excited about what's next so the last three years um, actually have been really hard because uh, actually nearly four years now because I have been trying to transition Gateway into a new model which would which is really part of that legacy thing of cre of building something that will outlast me and one of the key things in that has been finding um, a business partner um, younger than me who can also be the face of gateway women when I'm older but also who is closer to the age of those women who are joining gateway women now People, women join Gateway Women at every age from their 20s, you know, to their 60s and 70s. But the probably the, uh, the, the biggest cohort is kind of 39 to 45. That's often when a, a lot of women reach a crunch point in their family building journey. And so I've been so excited that I did find that person in Karen Enfield. And, you know, she is, she, she's now Gateway Women's Operations Director and she's you know, becoming more and more the face of the younger part of Gateway Women and taking, carrying the load with me because carrying Gateway Women administratively behind the scenes is a massive amount of work, massive. <laughs> you know, we've got fingers in so many pies and you know, our members are uh, vulnerable. So they often require a lot of very careful holding. It's a, it's a different kind of community to make space for and look after than perhaps a business community might be or a yoga community might be or something like that. So this is also to free me up for the next stage of the work, which is I see the next decade as being, being the decade of becoming a conscious, childless elder woman. So that is my path. Um, I'm writing a novel at the moment, which is actually... It's been, I've been trying to finish it for five years, but this year is the year I'm definitely going to finish it, which is actually a, a book, a novel about, it's a comedy about an accidentally kick-ass single childless menopausal woman. So, uh, and I'm seeing that very visually as I'm writing it. And my dream is that Jennifer Aniston's company will option it and it'll be the kind of the next sort of, I want to use humour to take all of the things that we get laughed at for i want us to own it so i have a character who is who very much represents so many things that we will all recognize you know um the the clueless mother um the uh, the sister with the perfect marriage and 2.2 children um you know that all of the things we know um and then after that i'm really going to be focusing on researching and writing the next book which will be about how to become a conscious childless elder woman. And it feels like the book that, I want to write the book I need to read, which is exactly what I did with Living the Life Unexpected. The book I needed didn't exist, so I ended up writing it. And now books around aging as a childless woman, well, aging as a woman, I haven't found a single one that doesn't presume that the reader has had children. And some of them are literally throw them out the window, they're so pronatalist. They're literally, they, it's like they can't even conceive that anyone might not have children and grandchildren. So it's very, it's very hard once again to find our place. So I'm looking forward to building that. And I do these webinars, I'm doing uh, another one soon, uh, I call them Fireside Wisdom, 
for childless elder women with a group of amazing older childless women from around the world. And we gather together on Zoom. It seems we're starting to gather like proper witches on uh, equinoxes and solstices. And um, really, you know, the next one is all about, you know, the body and the cycles of life. So it's really talking about deep stuff, you know, aging and the childless body. I mean, who is talking about that? And, you know, you all know me quite well. You know, I'm my, my secret superpower seems to be taboo girl. It's like, you know, if we're not meant to talk about it, let's, I'm in there. So I'm also really interested in work around sexuality, um, which is another, I just, um, I just recorded a training program for um, COSRUT, which is the UK College of Sex and Relationship Therapists and the impact of involuntary childlessness on sexual intimacy. This is the first training for therapists, couples therapists on that subject. You know, nothing else has been done. And that feels to me like a hugely important area. And I'm going to be leading a, I'm going to be leading a webinar on that subject for Gateway Women soon and in World Childless Week. So there's no research. There's no research, there's no support, there's nothing, nothing. And yet every childless person I've spoken to, mostly childless women, but I hear this, you know, about if they have male partners, their male partners experience, their sexual relationship has been impacted by their childlessness. Whether infertility has been involved, whether infertility treatments have been involved. You know, our sexuality is, is, is part of our expression of who we are in the world. How can it not be impacted when childlessness impacts everything about our identity and who we are in the world? But it's not being spoken about. Um, I think it's a big noise. About whatever people are silent about. And the stuff that hurts, you know, that's that's always where I'm drawn. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a big part of our later this year as well. Sarah, I know that's a big part of, of what you, you said the other week about something you've recorded for After the Storm and the amount of responses that you got um, about talking about sex, infertility um, and intimacy. And it's it's a big thing that's not being talked about, it needs to be. So it's fantastic that that's being addressed as well. Yeah. Definitely. Such a big, a big gap, isn't it? I talk about it all the time, sex ed, even at school, that that marginal, marginalisation starts there. Because once you find out you can't have children for whatever reason, you're no longer normal bunny ears. So it starts from that very moment, doesn't it? Even at that young age. Mm. And I think that touches as well a little bit on the impact of gateway women outside of we say women but Michael the impact of gateway women in terms of men how does that what's your view on that if I'm if if I'm honest I feel like I've got to make sure I get this out the right way but there is no doubt that gateway women has made a profound a profound effect on our community absolutely no doubt but as a, as a guy um, who's immersed himself in this community, mm. I, I, I feel like it, it, it makes me feel like an outsider where there's this massive um, uh, thing going on mm. that, that, that Jody has created that is, is around the world. 
and um, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm missing. I've got FOMO mm. because there there's nothing now. We, we I do have to recognise that Jody and I have had a conversation poking me with a stick, going, Michael, Michael, the guys need something here. And um, I think it took me 12 months just to make the clan of brothers, to be honest, because I kept thinking about it. And I don't think the gateway women thing would translate well to men um, because I'm seeing now. I can jump in there, Michael. Yeah, sure. Um, Really interestingly, you know, very early on in, in gateway women, like at the workshops and in the groups I was running, women were saying to me, and also men were emailing me and saying, you know, uh, what about us and partners, you know, women who were partnered with men were saying, you know, what about our partners? And I said, I remember saying I had this one reignite weekend where unusually uh, pretty much every woman in the room was partnered with a man. You know, we didn't have any, um, any, any gay, lesbian or queer women there and we had no unpartnered women there. And they all said, we want something for our partners. And I said, look, I'm absolutely open to it. I'd like you to go home and speak to your partners. If they're up for a workshop, I could do a couple's workshop. Uh, I could do a workshop and I could get a guy in uh, that I already knew Dr. Robin Hadley. I thought I'll get Robin to come in with me and we'll co-facilitate a workshop. I said, or I can, you know, I can find a way to set up a workshop, you know, just for the guys. Just come back and let me know what they want. Well, what I heard back was the most positive response, and this was 12 women, the most positive response was from two of their partners who said, if you really want me to, darling. That was it. Look, I'm I'm smiling because it does not surprise me. And Um, I recognized then what I had been understanding And I really got also from talking to Robin Hadley about it is that, and also from interviewing men for the case studies in my book, that the way that men process grief socially is very, very different. And the idea of like like coming into a group and talking about their childlessness online or sitting in a room with a bunch of other childless men talking about their vulnerability was socially unacceptable for them. The, the grief that, you know, it's acceptable for women to feel their feelings, to talk about their feelings. We're culturally trained to do so. Men are culturally trained to repress their feelings, not to talk about them, not to show their vulnerability. And grief is considered a vulnerability. So oh, most definitely. I realized then that not only was Gateway Women not the right type of organization, but also even the ways that work for me and seem to work for many women who come to it wouldn't work for men. I remember this guy I interviewed for my book about how he got through his grief. And he told me about how he did a lot of mountain biking and I, with other men. And I said, other childless men? He says, yeah, I think a couple of them were childless. I said, did you talk about your childlessness? He says, no, we just did a lot of mountain biking. And I remember just sitting there thinking, how the fuck would that help? (laughs) (laughs) But it was part of his grief journey was to kind of have this gang of men he went mountain biking with. And I just thought, okay, I I am so out of my depth here. 
Now, I'm not saying that men wouldn't benefit from the kind of, I suppose, you know, for want of a better term, the sort of a group therapy approach. But I'm thinking it's going, what I'd love to see is for a really famous man who was childless, quite a butch man, to come out and start talking publicly about childlessness and childless grief. And actually, Michael, that's one of the reasons why I was banging on your door saying, please do something for childless men, because you're a bloke. You know, men can look at you and relate to you as quite a blokish bloke. I love those early videos from your tool shed. I thought, this is the one. This is the man that needs to speak for childless men. Because there is still this fear that talking about your feelings is actually emasculating. You know, there's so much, so many toxic ideas about masculinity that work against men seeking and willing to receive support. Yeah. Um, so just further on to that, that, mm. that question that Berenice asked, um, there are times when I feel out, out of my depth because I've set this group up and we've, I think we've nudged on 50, 50 guys now, I think. I've got Andy Harrod as, as an administrator now because he was kindly, he kindly agreed to, to help, help out. So I like to think of it as our group. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I gave him a few nudges as well, by the way, Michael, over the years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> She's told me. Um, but yeah, so what we're finding is people, dip, guys, dip in and dip out when they need it. One particular man comes to mind and he says, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? And then, of course, all the guys rally around him, you know, because they've obviously seen he's, he's had the, you know, he's got the strength to put that out there and they rally around him. And uh, Sarah Roberts' husband actually put it really well. He said, sometimes you just need a place to belong. And, um, and I think that, yeah, that's, so that's what we're doing at the moment. It's just giving guys a place to belong. Um, it's a slow burn. But we have a chap who's actually going to write a book on men, childless men. Um, Fantastic. So it's so, a, so needed. So there's a lot of guys now getting behind him, um, you know, giving them their experiences. So, yeah, look, it's a slow burn. It's a slow burn. I just wish I could bloody retire. You'd like to retire and focus on on supporting childless yeah. people. Yeah, you'd I like would. Hmm. Yeah. Really, well, just so you know, if you do that, you will never bloody retire. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to get to retire. (laughs) Just to wrap that up a bit, Michael, I think when you said it's a slow burn, it's still a burn. And Mm. I think men have got another layer to get through, a very, very big layer to get through before they can get to opening up and receiving that support and talking about those things. And it is absolutely groundbreaking that you've got that group and I'm right behind you. And any support gateway women can give you to support those gateway men out there, I stand ready. Thank you, Jody. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We wouldn't have a podcast if there wasn't gateway women. No. 
I think that's just we probably ought to put some testimony perhaps to Jodie um, who's joined us today to say how much I think it affects us. tingles all over. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have a name if it wasn't for no. you because um, back way back when we we had this idea um, oh podcast what do we call it there we are and full stop emerged and that was your idea Jodie you named us well thank you for starting the full stop podcast because it was one more thing I didn't have to do <laughs> you could just rock up here anytime you want be our guest I think I think we have a few people Andy and I'm gonna oh, Andy Harrod bless you I love you dearly um he, I think he does like his vocal piece as well we have people that are just oh can we just go have an episode because I think it's just, yeah it's fine rock up it's fine we, we always got something to talk about with people and I think that that is true it's it is an awful lot of work to do, but I think that one of the things that we can do so well is to support Gateway Women, to support all of the amazing communities um, that we have. But there's one thing I wanted just to go back on that mm. you mentioned earlier on, and that was about the um, continuing support that you give to people mm. in the group and also with the work and the incredible amount of resources that are available completely freely on the website I mean I think that's the thing to, to say as well is yes is the membership fee but actually just going on to Gateway Women's website and the amount of stuff that is in the resources section that people can access to get a really good idea of who you are and what Gateway Women is absolutely incredible I mean it's a whole day if not thank, a weekend. thank you you know that's that's built up over 10 years and it's Amazing. it's always been really important to me that there is a lot available at no charge mm. Mm. And I also want to say, you know, to those coming into the community, the first month is free. And after that, you know, there are various levels of membership, including a donation based one. Yeah. Money is we never exclude anyone from our community if they if they don't if they can't afford to pay the membership. Mm. It's it's, the, it's that's not what it, this support is there for anyone who needs it. Mm. And not everyone wants to be part of an online community. So I also like to create things outside that a lot of. A lot of women sort of circle gateway women for a couple of years before they feel ready to kind of, you know, dive in and really join a workshop or join a course. Um, and also we have a lot of men who access the resources on the website, who attend the webinars, who read my book. Andy Harrod told me the other day that he read my book, changing kind of she to he, wherever he could. And he got a huge amount out of it. And that, to that told me a lot. But also we have our webinars, you know, our monthly, free monthly webinars, which I'm calling the masterclass webinars, where I'm, you know, actually I have a lot of fun with those because I invite, I invite sort of other people who are, you know, in our world, a little bit like you do. Maybe it's my version of the podcast. I kind of get <laughs> to invite who I want to get to know onto the webinar. Um, and, you know, around singleness, around sexuality, around mm -hmm. ageing. I, I mean, really all the stuff that I'm interested in, as well as the classic things about coping with Mother's Day and coping with Christmas. And that is building up into a pretty huge library, as you say, on the website of, of resources that, that, that people can dive into in their own time. Mm. It's that continual support that I love as well, because within the membership side there's also the moderators as well. And there's a few people on there. I've, I've known them as long as I've known you. 
Yeah, because I've been there for so long. Maria, Maria Hill of Sensitive. She's amazing. I adore, I just desperately want to go and meet her because every time I've I've put something in there, she's come up with something. Oh yes, that's just what I was thinking. You know, she's just intuitive and she's our wonderful. resident wise elder, and she is actually one of the elders that gathers around the Zoom fire for the Fireside Wisdom mm. webinar. So you can actually get to see her live and see her talking. You yeah, want tonight, in fact, actually, it's the night of, yeah, tonight, um, yeah. at the time of recording, that is. not the she's, in her, she's in her early 70s. Yeah. And yeah. she's an absolute powerhouse of creativity and empathy. Um, she's my, she's my role model. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, mine too. I think she's quite amazing. And yeah. you as well, obviously, but of course you are. But yeah, it's, um, there's some amazing and incredible women out there who've been given the chance to shine somewhere in the world whether that's within the community with gateway women or whether it's something else but because of of what you do which is incredibly important that when we all hit that rock bottom mm -hmm. moment I mean my rock bottom moment um I have numerous rock bottom moments but one of the reasons I was able to dig my way out of it was because of having knowing that if I went into Gateway Women and I posted something I would have a response and I did mm. and I think that what you said there about it's not like running a yoga community or a business community and I think that's incredibly important part of Gateway Women is having those responses because if you don't have them you can sink very 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 quickly mm. just going in and just going actually I just need a bit of help because this is going through my head and it's catastrophizing in some great big kind of thing. And I'm going to, you know, in my, in my case, it was kind of, you know, that's, that's it. The world doesn't need me anymore. And part of that route to recovery, yes, is gateway women and finding that strength to actually mm -hmm. post something and say, look, actually, I need this. Um, it's just there, you know, if we're not going into it and we've got through. And again, perhaps people are thinking, well, OK, I'm all right with my, my grief. I'm OK with this. I'm settling in. Why do I need gateway women? And I always sort of I can, it's like a, a really friendly, happy, huggy safety net in my we life. We have a, a group that is um, I think of it as the follow on group mm. It's called Nomo Tribe. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's it existed before our current our current sort of site, it was a separate group, and now it's integrated into the Gateway Women's site as one of the many amazing subgroups. Mm. And Nomo Tribe, I call it, it's for women who've come through the fire of childlessness with grit, glitter, and grace in their souls. I love that. <laughs> so it's for those of us who, you know, we're through the worst of it. Mm. You know, we've been transformed by this experience. We're coming to terms with living this life unexpected. Most days we're fine with our childlessness, but it's still a challenge to be childless in a world where everyone else seems to be a parent and where all of the structures of society are set up for couples and parents. And it's just great to have women who get that because also some days you get a griefy moment, you know, you get sideswiped by something you weren't expecting. And it's nice to have a group where you can, that's also perfectly normal. It's not like you have to be totally fixed. Because I don't think we're ever totally fixed from our childlessness. It is something that exists across the life course. You know, there are so many experiences in later life we're not going to experience because we're childless. You know, our friends and our family are going to become grandparents. We're going to be aging without children. There's going to be, there are so, and you know, as a, as a woman, there's only one word of respect for an older woman, and that's grandmother. There are no others. 
the others are all insults. It's like, this is something we need our sisters and Michael, our brothers around us right across the life course to help us realize that we're not the only ones having this experience. We're not going mad. And there are people who understand us. You know, problems in the workplace. That is a huge issue around childlessness. I'm very pleased to see that we have, compared to 10 years ago, and actually even compared to five years ago, there is a real upswelling, not just of kind of ranting about unfairness in the workplace, but there's actually a groundswell of women who are actually doing something about it. And they've now all come together in a group called Workplace Changemakers, yay, which is in the Gateway Women Online community. They are gonna be starting some kind of coalition they are gonna be drafting up templates and supporting each other with techniques and tactics and wordings to actually start taking to HR departments and supporting each other as they do this. That, if that can, you know, I've been nurturing that and Michael knows and prodding people about this when I look like they're ready to be prodded, but something is happening. There is, a, there is enough energy and enough people who are willing to put their heads above the parapet in their workplaces and start saying, not just this isn't fair, but this isn't fair and this is what you need to do. These are the policies we need to look at. These are the systems we need to have in place. And this is why. And that's one of the things I've been talking about because I think that the organizations that wake up to the, to the lack of awareness of the diversity around childlessness in the workplace, those organizations are gonna retain key talent. They're gonna have healthier workplaces with less absenteeism for stress and grief and uh, and it's going to impact their bottom line they're going to be happier more successful organizations and people are going to think they're really cool and a great place to work it is a win for employers to wake up about this and that's one of the things i think you know that's one of the messages that the workplace change makers groups wants to get out there is if you want to be seen as a groovy forward-looking organization and a great place to work look at this issue it is an easy win really looking forward to being part of that I've been so inspired by everything um, I think it's so important and I'm hoping that from the back of all of that will come perhaps a change as well in networking and freelance communities which are incredibly pronatal based oh. don't get me started on digital yeah. mums <laughs> well when we yeah. look look at the history of other change makers in the culture when we look at the female liberation movement when we look at the gay liberation movement Actually, changing legislation in the workplace is often the place where you can get some levers legally. Yes. Uh, and those, and those changing the workplace then spills out into the culture. It's actually a good place to start. Mm. Yeah, it's fantastic to see it moving forward. We're yeah. hoping that we will have the change makers onto the podcast at Yay. some point. Yes. Very soon, we want to do a whole thing about work. Um, waiting for the timing to be right because of the tricky stuff going on here right now with um with covid but um what's that no idea <laughs> something that's keeping me indoors and actually i quite like it to be fair <laughs> not covid <laughs> but no. keeping indoors it's very nice being indoors um and away from people and i'm far less stressed doing this than than i have if i was in a workplace <laughs> it's funny isn't it it's actually turned you know don't don't make light of it but it's kind of it has given us that safety hasn't it we haven't got to face into loads of pronatalism have we at the minute oh way. no but i kicked i know no this week now come on i had the golden glory of the essence of womanhood this week oh yeah i'd forgotten about that 
<laughs> you did kick her ass. That was the I know, yes, if that's what it is. Podcast listeners who don't know this, uh, we'll just digress slightly. It was um a particular brand. I'm not going to tell you what the brand is because I don't want you to go over there and look at it because honestly, it will really just piss you off as it pissed me off. Um someone inquired why this brand was specifically aimed at mothers. Um, and it's a friend of mine who I know is childless and was told that um yes, how to phrase this delicately, slight trigger warning. Birth is the essence of motherhood, to which I kicked up a stink. And actually, just in case anyone's thinking, oh, God, that's awful. It shocked a lot of people, but friends of mine who are parents and they all piled on to Facebook, along with me and many others, to say, what a load of bullshit that is. Mm -hmm. And if that's the thing that defines me, then Jesus, that's a bit low, isn't it? Um, So I think it was a kind of gathering of all clans from all sides Mm -hmm. who went, yeah, bollocks. Anyway, the only way they could wrestle out of it was to take the post down. But I haven't been blocked from them, which is interesting. I thought I'd been blocked from the page. I just saw it and thought, hang on a second. If that's what your skin company, your skincare brand does, and I'm fucking glad I don't have to use it. And I think, you really? know, when, when motherhood has sort of been weaponized against women and when it has been used as a kind of a marketing tactic mm. as well, it's actually, it, it's time that sort of, you know, that mothers reclaim their right to be complex individuals leading complex lives and all being different. Mm. I mean, it's it's part of their experience and part of their identity, but it's not who they are. Yeah. Just as our childlessness is part of our experience and part of our identity, but it's not who we are. And I think it's obscene the way that mothers are marketed to. Like that's all that's all they are. Yeah, fetishization, um, isn't it, from, yeah. from brands? I object profoundly. Yeah. I think a lot of mothers do as well. That was generally the feedback everyone had got was just like, I'm more than more than that. I'm not the vessel. I do other stuff. And I think actually the best conversations that I've had with women who are parents has been from those who've recognised that, yes, there might be just a short period of their life when they do have to give everything to this, this little human. But actually on the other side, they come out as the same person but slightly different but still as diverse as they were before and I think that's so true of us we go through this awful grief it affects it changes us so much but we're still diverse we're still incredible people for what we have been through we just need to go and, and find that's them such somewhere. an important point because there is a cultural awareness that becoming a parent profoundly changes you but because the grief of childlessness is disenfranchised and it's not discussed and it's not understood, there isn't a recognition that actually not becoming a parent, when that was your heart and soul's desire, is as transformative as becoming one. That mm. going through the grief of childlessness changes us. We're not the same people we were when we were 20. We are changed too. Because the, then this idea that only parenthood can grow you up, and I think, fuck, you spend a decade grieving your childlessness and see how grown up you feel at the end of it. <laughs> it's profoundly transformative. And it really makes me so angry that, that that's not understood and that we come out of this experience with a, a, a depth and gifts to offer back to society that are, are not recognised and not welcomed. And I, I hope that the legacy of gateway women can change that. I hope so too. I I I I can see that. I I think it's empowered so many women to actually 
to find peace. But I think just the redefinition of what we've gone through, I think it's hugely profound to me to know that what I had been through and what I was going through, as you said, is grief. Mm. I can give it a term. It has a thing. It's not just, as you say, me going slowly mad or actually worse is jealousy. Mm. Being told I was jealous of what other women had. No, I didn't want their children. I didn't want my life. I wanted my child, my life back, not anyone else's, but actually it's often mistaken as being jealousy. And I find that probably one of the most hurtful things that I've ever been told was that I was jealous of somebody else's life because it devalues your own into nothing. And it's so much, it's so not that. No. Yeah. That's really hard because I guess you're sort of being told that your behaviour is a character failure. Mm, yes it is yes and I think that whole thing that I, I know Steph does so well with with World Childless Week and about worth and value mm. and that day always always gets to me more than any other because it's progressively just knocking and chipping away at people's worth through ignorant opinions and if anything that gateway women can one of many things that gateway women can, can leave and, and keep tackling daily is actually educating people who make these ridiculously big assumptions about what it's like to be childless based on just not listening. Listen. And also us not speaking up enough. Yes, no, that's true as well. The world to be mind readers. Good point. Really, really good point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's largely, again, why we're here, I think, as well. Mm. When we wrote out that plan for the podcast and thought we've got something here because we need a voice. So yeah. we're not less. Yes, we're childless, but we're not less. Never less. So in celebration of Gateway Women, I would love to hear from our listeners about how Gateway Women has changed, has changed them. I want to read those. I want to read those positive stories. And I think... If um, if we can share those stories, you know, on our webs on our Facebook page or on our website, it will also give others, you know, who have stumbled across our um, our podcast, for instance, somewhere to go yeah. if they haven't found you already. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so if our audience would like to write in on our Facebook page, email us. We would love to hear your positive story. And Twitter. On Twitter. Find me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter oh, yeah, with Twitter. the full stop. Twitter. Tweet me. Tweet me. <laughs> and Jody. <that's... laughs> Tweet Jody as well. Let's let's get some vibes here. The good vibes. You're right, Michael. I'm also that's... very keen and not that I mean my track record bears it out is my motto is we rise together. So one of the things Gateway Women does is we choose to amplify the voices of others in this space too so if you are doing something in the childless place please tell us about it tell the full stop about it tell world childless about it and tell gateway women about it because we're always happy to point people in the direction of other resources because there are so many brilliant people around the world doing things mm. And that's, I think, I think that's one of the reasons I'm such a big fan of World Childless Week, a chance to have an umbrella organisation that brings the diversity of our community, you know, to people's attention. Mm. And it's going to be five years this year, Gateway Women's 10 and World Childless Week is five. 
Yeah. We with, should have a party. <laughs> we're oh two years, so two years. <laughs> yeah, we need a party. Five years and ten years. It's a big year for parties, if only. We and as could. we never got to have children's parties, maybe we should have a bouncy castle. Yes. Jelly, ice cream, <laughs> cake. Yes. Yeah. Pass the parcel, everything. All of it. The works. Lots, yeah. Lots of swearing because we can. <laughs> no, it's a children's oh. party. No swearing. Oh, what? <laughs> I said, well, we'll have a swear booze. There is actually, they do, they do this thing in Cambridge. We used to have this thing back, you know, pre-COVID, a big street fair. Um, and it's, it's amazing. It's near, the, near where I live and it's fantastic. And they have a compliments booze. And I've always thought, very nice a compliments booze. You can go in and they give you a compliment. <laughs> you can go away again. And I love it. You know, and you, you donate to them and it all, all the money goes to charity. And I was thinking, yeah, it's a good idea. But I think I'll just have a swear, swear booze. You can just go in and just go, ah, fuckity, 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 fuck. Pay some money to charity and go away again. You're just like, oh, that's just so funny. We'll have one of those. And I think, well, so we'll have a, re- well, let's plan like a really nice festival when, we, when we're all allowed to get together. Yes. yes. Celebrate yes. all those things at once. Yes. Um, and we won't need to have any sponsored hugs because we won't be able to stop hugging each other. It's going to be, be fine. <laughs> yeah, we need to, we need to plan that. We're, we're, Sarah and I are excited about road trips. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, road coming trips. out, coming out to visit people. Can't wait. Yeah, we're road tripping when we're when we're allowed to do that, um, and it's safe and safe and legal to do so. Um, we will um we will be road yeah. tripping. It's like a competition with Michael there. So maybe we can have like the I'll, I'll send you my list so you can. That's catch what up. we're thinking. Yeah, we're thinking, ra- we're thinking Radio One road shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With associated drinking and celebrating and t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Ireland then. And the trailer. Oh. We need a trailer now. We're getting quite yeah. big. Donate on Kofi. <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> I got a lifelong. I actually want to get a camper van, and so far I have enough gifted to me from my my parents for a probably um. I think probably the steering wheel and a tire. I need to, yeah. I need to keep going. Michael I have Bill a feeling I might van. be heading into camper van territory soon. There is, that, again, I gateway. That, I just have that feeling that it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Gateway Women has a section for camper, camper vans. Van. I love it. I kind of, I don't contribute. Obviously, I have nothing much to say about this apart from that I just crush camper vans. And I found that on my um, my magazine reading subscription, it's just one of those strange things. Like years ago, I used to read magazines, you know, well, women's magazines. And I realised how when they introduced a woman as, you know, this is, I don't know, Jill, age 40 so-and-so with two children. How triggering that line mm. got. And when mm. I stopped reading magazines like that, which is very cathartic, I felt a lot better. And now I read camper van magazines. Um, like some kind of like, oh! Anyway, in the classifieds, I'm there, eBay. It's, hum- it's going to happen. Me and the dogs. I have this vision, actually, maybe uh, we'd need a big space like Australia, a bit like sort of Burning Man, you know, all the camper vans converging on one sort of <laughs> desert spot for a wild weekend of childless celebrations. <laughs> that would be oh. great. We could, yeah. do like, we could do like a worldwide one. So we just gather in certain places, like some kind of secret kind of code. And then yeah. when, oh. when childless people go bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's actually it's a bit like the hundred and one Dalmatians when they all start barking. How did you get that link? Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking of like I was thinking of films and Disney uh, and how you know that you can get these sort of you know, I can just see my Archie Michael with your with your what's your thing in the air? What's it called? Drone, drone. thing. Mm, Sorry. I think maybe it's a Priscilla Queen of the Desert thing I'm seeing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. 
It is, isn't it? It's Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. That's what it is. One of those all over the world. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? It would be ice. <laughs> I'd love it. That would be great. That's kind of next. Yeah. Okay, there you go. We've gone from road trip to a party somewhere to to, to yeah. a massive gathering to an anarchic childless festival in the desert. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can do that. We can. Yeah. Do it. It takes me ten. I don't know how. I I can't remember how long it was, Michael, that it took me to get to you. If I was if I was um coming to Australia and avoiding planes, uh, weeks. We can yeah. swim. Yeah. Oh, no, I have, I have to wait in China. I have to wait in China for a container boat to turn up. Oh, yeah. good luck! But yet, yeah, just wait. You know, a man six man man in seat sixty one has got the route plan for you to get from to me to get from from London all the way to um, where Michael is. Um, but if I didn't, if I went flight free, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gather people as you go through, couldn't you, for this festival. Yeah, Round the World in 80 Trains, which is actually a very good book. It's one of my favourite books. But again, mm. how you travel and you meet people along the way as well. Yeah. I have to get my T-shirt ready for that. I've, for years, I've had this idea for a T-shirt which just said, this is what a childless menopausal old hag looks like. I thought it'd be a great <laughs> conversation breaker. <laughs> I love that. I've got one that just says, fuck off. Um <laughs> Possibly a little aggressive. But <laughs> I tend to sort of wear it because um, it's on the back of the, um, the neckline. So I wear it with something that's a little bit lower cut. So you can just see it poking out from under my hair. And of course, if I didn't actually particularly feel like I wanted to say that somebody have to put my hair down, it's fine. But yeah, yeah that, that's, that's a fantastic like, T-shirt though. Yeah. yeah. That's like going out clothes down here. What's that? What the fuck off T-shirt? Yeah. <laughs> going out. I'm wearing them. Yeah, going out, going out, out. Uh, uh, All right, uh, out, out. That's that's an Irish expression. You have it. You have it in Australia as well. There's going out and there's going out, out. Oh, oh. no, this is because I listened to um, Mickey, Mickey Flanagan. Flanagan. Mickey yeah. Flanagan, yeah, yeah, with his, so his, you cut, his cut life and his string vest, going out, out. <laughs> <laughs> Love Mickey. Oh, wow, that was amazing, wasn't it? That was fantastic. Jenny, is there Thank anything you. else you would like to tell us and yeah. the listeners about Gateway Women? If not, we can bring this to a natural close. No, I think we've covered a lot of really lovely stuff and gone off on tangents that were really delightful as well. I love you. Know, and I'm really glad we got to talk about the workplace change makers because that yeah. does that does feel like something that it, its moment has come. Yes. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm so passionate about what they're doing and we desperately would like to get them onto the podcast when they've settled into what they want to be doing and they've got some more some more kind of collateral, them, it would be I great. Think they might not be sort of ready probably till early next year. Yeah, that's, that's what right. we were thinking. Because everyone, they're all working, you know, one of the things I've said to them is give yourself time mm. you know, because everyone's yeah. working on other things and we all know what that's like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'd be particularly interested in that because I'm I've I've um I want to approach our diversity council where I work because we have a very high um proportion of females in in the organisation. Interested to see some of the words building up almost like um a resource library, Mm. you know, where people can sort of download email templates and best practices, so that when your organisation says, well, okay, yeah, well, but, but. what yeah. should we do yeah. you could go mm. well here's a pack 
you know this yeah. is what you should be doing we can then tailor it for your organization let's talk yeah. I think that's really important to have that evidence I think as well I think that's one of those scary things I and I've got the, the infertility so the time off for um infertility for IVF treatment in was in Cambridge University because it wasn't actually within the university at all and it was a conversation I had with them and actually the evidence they had was me you know yeah. oh, we, you need to plan it out you need to let your manager know in advance when your um egg collection is going to be well no and what if I don't want to yeah what an intimate thing we're, we're, we're saying that so I'm going to go in and someone's going to uh, uh, shove a hoo-ha up a doodah and I don't actually want to tell my manager that because I don't think that I think mm. that's appropriate um so having sort of something and that's a big enough thing I think and I found it astonishing that there wasn't something actually written down or guidance so never mind the absence of stuff you know anything to do with what it's like to be childless but actually the conversations that that, that I've had never yeah. mind the ones that you've had Jodie and and you too Sarah and Michael around you know baby showers in the workplace eti- etiquette basic standard etiquette and it's a largely I think it's a huge massive kind of big hole in in how people address it because it can really really upset people I mean it's upset me they don't know no they don't no that once again we we have been shamed into silence yeah Yeah. and if we try to speak up when we're still grieving and we get shamed it doesn't work yeah it's like we need each other's support um, there was I, I did a section on it at the in the talk that I gave for York University about disenfranchised grief I talked about this being one of the things I wanted to see you know change happen mm. and in the unrecorded bit that wasn't that isn't on the video after the grief webinar uh, the York University webinar there were some people there from some really big cheeses from big HR departments who were saying we want to do something about this that's why we're here for this webinar what should we be doing yeah. So there is, I think the moment has come when organisations are ready and I think the childless community has found, is starting to find its voice. And I think it's important, it's the non-parent community. Mm. So it's our child-free brothers and sisters and also those younger people who are hoping to become parents one day, who are being stigmatised in the workplace because they're single and they don't have children yet. Mm. You know, so they're also impacted by all of this stuff in different ways. So there's a huge... It's actually a huge cohort of people in the workplace that are being impacted by these pronatalist behaviours and policies. Um, and it's time for change. Yeah, absolutely. I see it an awful lot in freelance land as well. You know, the whole oh, idea yeah. of, you know, oh, and, and, yeah, I know you do, Sarah. I, I came off something. Um, I paid quite a lot of money for um, a it was freelance heroes um, networking day. And first three presenters all announced their parents and then the fourth one was oh and I'm expecting a child in so-and-so and you'd think oh yeah okay that's great but actually I'm sitting here alone in the room that is my child's was going to be my child's bedroom working from home and I'm not sure about that it's not considering those demographics or assuming that massive assumption that comes I think from freelancing where it's assumed that the reason that you are working for yourself is because you had children and you want that flexibility 
you know, why else would you ever, ever otherwise be working for yourself? And it has to be, I think it's starting to change, but it's still, I find it incredibly pronatal, particularly with homeschooling recently as well. It's been, you know, well, we better not start that conversation. No, let's not, because IWD got completely hijacked by the fact that the children were turning to school and all these, oh, it's amazing. When I when I typed into LinkedIn something I wanted to write about IWD, um, LinkedIn actually, the algorithm suggested that when I tagged it as IWD, um, I also put in parenting. Mm. And I thought, well, there we are then. Even LinkedIn's algorithm. International know. Mother's Day, yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's what it felt like this year. I think that needs that, I think, for my mind, is on my hit list to target because I don't think there's enough voices in that. I think Jessica was part of it, but I don't think there was many women who were childless as part of it. And that needs sorting out. That's not good enough, in my opinion. So none of us are retiring by the sound of it. Never. No. <laughs> Never. Fight goes on. But then amazing because actually there is us all going in to our next phase of our lives and I can't wait for your new book Jodie aging as a childless woman I think is just so important but isn't it so wonderful that aging well without children I read news this week absolutely made my day that AWOC is is coming back they're coming back AWOC are back yes Aging Well Without Children has just registered as a charity and Kirsty is reforming the organisation as a charity and it is coming. Brilliant. We need to get them back on the podcast too. We really do. So exciting. I'm thrilled to bits for them. I know that in the... she just when she was on the podcast all of our guests for that episode were so passionate about what they believed in and it is something that affects all of us and the pandemic has really woken up Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um, how ageist our society is and also how much the care you receive as an old person Mm -hmm. is massively influenced by having a younger advocate rooting for you and that if you don't have that younger advocate there you are very, very vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. And that's so something they, um, Gateway Women wants to do something about as well, because as, as our community ages and younger women are coming in, I have this, this vision of kind of um, older Gateway Women being mentors to younger Gateway Women, and those younger Gateway Women, those relationships maturing to become advocates so mm-hmm. that actually we can have cross-generational advocacy and mentorship to help produce those relationships that have the level of trust in them where someone could advocate for you when you're old and if you become vulnerable. Mm. I think that's incredibly important. It's something that I know the three of us have talked about behind the scenes yeah. and also I think with Kirsty as well. Um, and we that, have to do advocacy. it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, yeah. No one's yeah. going to do this for us, but I think we no. can change the yeah. culture by doing it for ourselves in profound and important ways. We yeah. need to kind of model how to do this yeah. and show society how it works and then they will adopt best practice just as just as now um, um, heterosexual couples you know want to be able to have civil partnerships because they can see the value of that but that right was run was won for people by those people in same-sex marriages you know and things like that there are, there's lots of things outsiders can be very powerful forces for social change Thank you so much, Jodie. It's always, I really miss talking to you. Um, Brilliant. I talk to you every day and get a daily sense of wisdom. And I'm just 
thank you so much yeah. <laughs> you're sweet thank you <laughs> oh honestly no, no, I just it's, it's I think everyone needs a Jodie in their life and I think one of the things we often say on this podcast is how fortunate it is to find new friends and new people I mean we never all would have met had it had not been for our story and for being childless but how kind of spoiled you for is. the normals though I, I have some yeah, yeah. wonderful conversations and connections with childless people. Yeah, I know. And yeah. then if I am sort of in a sort of a more normal, more mixed gathering and people start, I'm thinking, really? I'm ready to go right in there. <laughs> <laughs> you you ruined us. Oh, yeah, I have to turn that bit off. Yeah. <laughs> can, yes. I, can I just say, if, if our community ever becomes its own country, you've got my vote for president, Jody. Oh, that is so sweet. <laughs> you're never, you're never going to retire then, are you? No, <laughs> That's I've, it. I've, I've worked that one out. Yeah, go on. President Jody. <laughs> Actually, oh, Queen. 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 I was going to say, would you... I, okay, uh, yeah. all right. Okay. Except I'm not a monarchist. No. No, neither am I. It's a troubled Fairy word, queen. isn't it? Fairy yeah, queen. Fairy queen, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll think, we'll, we'll think of different names. I don't think we should use the same language either. I think we can create our own kind of form of, you know, we're back to swearing again, aren't we? <laughs> I was going to say Mugwump or something. Chief Mugwump, like out of Harry Potter. Sorry, I've, I've started reading Harry Potter again. Have you? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm planning to become, you know, a childless elder, you know, a witch. So yeah. I, you know, I think some nice, big, powerful name for me when I enter my crone years. Yeah, yeah. we need to create a new language for that too a new bit of dialogue it feels yeah. really important I, I, I really realise how much my work and the language of Gateway Women has helped us find a language to talk about our shared experience mm -hmm. and I'm feeling the same thing again about ageing yeah. is that the things I want to talk about that actually aren't even the words and without the words we can't have the concept and then we can't have a shared language to talk about the experience of ageing and I guess that's why I'm a writer. I'm always fascinated. It's like, wow, we can't talk about this because there's no language. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thank, thank you, you for coming Jodie. on. It's been brilliant. Yeah. I love the Full Stop podcast. It's a real <laughs> honour to be, it's a real honour to be here. And yeah, I mean, thank you for helping me to celebrate Gay Women's 10th anniversary. And I hope to be on here in another 10 years uh, in the back of the trailer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> on the round the world tour mm -hmm. gateway women's 20th anniversary mm -hmm. stop podcasts 12th and mm -hmm. um yeah we'll be out there with all of our sponsors all of the groupies yeah. the festivals the parties yeah. we'll be aging oh. disgracefully and we'll meet you in a field somewhere <laughs> <laughs> it's fine yeah. Yeah. absolutely <laughs> rock on <laughs> <laughs> lots of love to you Jodie yeah. thank you so lots very much all and thank you so much thanks, thanks Jodie take care thanks Jodie always bye. lovely to talk to you bye bye and that's where we're going to have to leave Jodie for now but please don't forget we are also on the trinity of Facebook Insta and Twitter and all of these links can be found on our website www.thefullstoppod.com you can also register for our newsletter here that will keep you up to date with what we're up to. We would also appreciate it if you could rate us on the platform you're using to listen to the podcast. The more ratings we get, the wider our spread, and the more of our community we can reach. Now, we'll put all Gateway Women's details in the show notes. 
If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast or have a burning issue you think our community should be aware of, you will find a form on our website where you can fill in and give us the details. Now, don't forget, we love hearing from our audience, so please drop us a line at any time. And as always, it's important for us to let you know you are not alone. Is there any, is there any, am I allowed to say any sugar mamas out there who's willing to support me so I can retire? Vicky is might kill you. Vicky, you might yeah. retire. Rain it in. Rain it yeah. in. Rain it in. Retire. You'd like to retire and focus on, on supporting childless yeah. people. Yeah, you'd I like would. To... Yeah. Really well, just so you know, would. if you do that, you will never bloody retire. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to get to retire. By the way, I did get Vicky's permission to actually say that thing about sugar mamas, so don't think it just came out of nowhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the boss's permission. Yeah, we'll have a chat. We'll have a chat. (laughs) (laughs) Just to 